Newcastle. It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Thursday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, good morning. Uh, it's it's now uh, we are upon the restart of yet another sport. Yeah. Basketball starts tonight. That I was hearing about that. Yeah. And that's one I don't really care about the either. The bubble. The bubble. I love it how uh, there was one article that said – It'll be played at – it was a certain game. And it said it'll be played at 8 p.m. Orlando time. And I was like – I wasn't aware it, there was such. I was like, isn't that Eastern? No, it's Orlando time. I was like, Ooh, it's bubble time. Bubble time. I think that should be a thing. We play I mean, on – could. We play on bubble time. That's a T-shirt if I've ever seen one. Yeah. But anyway, the NBA kicks off tonight. I'm pretty – I'm excited about it just because – and I'm excited about all these restarts, whether it's hockey, whether it's – baseball don't lie to me don't lie to i'm me. gonna give it a chance because <laughs> it's playoff only i feel like i can i can stay in tune for playoff only but uh hockey basketball baseball and then we're we're kind of matriculating towards some football semblance of something uh I, i'm excited uh a lot a lot is still to be decided on college football and pro football but right now baseball and then now tonight basketball uh, we'll be back up, man. They've they've got basketball like tightened up though. Yeah, I'm gonna try to watch it just a little bit because I just want to know what they're doing, what the, what's different, you know, and how it looks. And... Well, see, that's I don't, I don't know if you were listening on your way in, but one of the one of the national affiliates was talking about how they've really designed the the court to not look empty uh, from TV. Okay. So basically, you know, they put wider. Uh, baselines on like of course the court's no bigger but but they've got like a deeper side kind of like vandy you mm-hmm. know how it's wide on the sides but uh and, and then they've put very like big led tv screen kind of things all the way around this thing kind of like arena football yeah uh but but farther off the baselines but and they're gonna you know constantly be sponsors uh logos of the teams logos of the players face stat lines the whole deal it's basically the ring you know that you see in stadiums on the floor okay and i think that's pretty cool because i mean if you look at baseball games and there's no way for them to really fix it you look at that backstop and you're like yep nobody's there every pitch you know what I'm saying? So, See, I thought that they were supposed to be putting stuff in the stands or superimposing something. Well, I or... think some people have. Of course, I think the Mets. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Mets might have filled every seat, which it yeah. didn't take much. They probably needed to do that anyway because they didn't sell a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I think some places just they're struggling because they're in such a weather situation. You know what I'm saying? I see some of those teams like like uh like the Nationals games, the Nationals Yankees games opening night just got poured on. And they you know, they didn't have any cardboard cutouts, but they they went out to Dodger Stadium and they had them all over the place. I got you. So I think it's kind of case by case. Um I think it's a big selling tool, you know what I'm saying? I I would uh yeah, I mean, you're especially for basketball. I mean, well, baseball, mm-hmm. your ad will be running almost twenty four seven. You know, because the, the the camera angle is always from the backside of the pitcher, right. always. Right. Hey, I've seen a few like faux pas though, like where the the camera angle. I don't know if they it was where they had to be or where they just chose to be, but they're they're like not directly behind the pitcher, and it's a really tough angle. And so all of their little like strikeout boxes and everything is like shifted. Yeah, I'm like I'm like y'all are pros. What the heck? But anyway, anyway that, that they're obviously got more stuff to talk about because uh, we've got some stuff to talk oh, about yeah. today. Uh, a lot of things has happened. Uh, some some interesting things. I think uh, the Dodgers kind of slow out of the gate has kind of been a little little shocking. Uh, last night we had our first uh, two run leadoff home run uh, in Major League Baseball history. Okay. 
13 innings. Uh, Man on second. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Mr. You know, Ward, that's, actually. That, that is still a dynamic that I like. I, I think that's... See, and the purists like think that's the worst thing ever. It was Edwin Rios uh, hit it off a of Cy Sneed. So that was what happened last night. But uh, I like the dynamic. I think it pushes. I think it puts you in a position to where you have to be perfect. And as a professional and the money you make, every now and again you need to be perfect. See, I think it also pushes you to finish the game in regulation because knowing that you're going to start with a runner on second, I mean, a base hit, the winning run just went in. Mm. So, I mean, you, you you really don't want to or get in Or if you're the Cubs, innings. you just walk them in. Yeah. You, oh, really? You, dude, you didn't. You no. Didn't, did you watch any of that? Dude, he, he faced six batters, walked four of them. Oof. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, does nobody else see this? Because <laughs> David Ross is over there. You know, he's their, he's their manager now. Yeah. And I'm like. You're a catcher. You know this is not the way this should go. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Come on. And so anyway, he um, anyway they 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 pull him eventually uh, after six batters face. The bases are loaded, no outs. Uh, and uh, and uh, so, but anyway, uh, you know, I like I like a lot of the things that baseball's done. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm good with it. You know, I understand the no fans. I mean, it, it just it's the dynamic that you got to do. It's either have fans. Okay, no football, no baseball, no sports. Or no fans, you play the game, TV kind of picks up the slack, you go from there. You move yeah, on. I, I, I think they're doing it right. Yeah, but, but you know, I, the, the first two-run leadoff home run in Major League history, and, and you know what? No asterisks needed. Uh, it's, it's just a new thing. Uh, I don't know that this rule will stick around. I guess if it doesn't, then it may have an asterisk on, that, uh, on the record book there. But – Nonetheless, it, it happened last night. Dodgers and Astros, 13 innings. Yeah, that's one that will put a little strain on your 60-game schedule in 66 days. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, definitely. They'll be a little tired come today. But looking at, at what happened uh, over over yesterday, because that, that's the cool thing about sports radio now that we have sports again. You have scores to talk we about. We can talk about things. Real things. Real things with real meaning. Everything has meaning, but you know what I mean. Oh, and then I looked at Tuesday. Already talked Tuesday. Got to talk Wednesday. The Rockies knock off the A's 5-1. to one. Uh, Who was it Threw went out and threw, threw the first pitch? No, no, sorry. I'm merging things that I do in the afternoon. I just did that. So, have you been watching Last Chance U? No. So, it, it's not the uh, – it's not Independence Community College this time. It's Laney College in Oakland, California. Sure. And this cat's been there for like 40 years. Anyway, they are last year's – well, probably 2018 uh, national champions in the, in the California Community College League. They claimed it. I'm like, how are you a national champion when you only play in the state of California? <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not on that board. I don't verify those results. But anyway, they do have a national championship ring. But uh, this cat's been in Oakland for his entire coaching career. He was at a certain high school that that is a real prominent Oakland high school, and then he went over to the the community college ranks. He's got players. I'm giving all this backstory promoting Last Chance U, but I, I okay. Um, a lot of his players, because it's in the inner city of Oakland. Uh, a lot of his players drive from out of inner city to get there. There's just one cat that, that drives two hours to college, two hours back. They don't have on-campus living. Uh, so, yeah, every day he Oof, does that. I'm that's like painful. Four hours. So, anyway, he throws out the first pitch at an Oakland A's game. Completely merged results and Last Chance You episode I watched last night. So anyway, Colorado Rockies knock off the A's five to one. The Rockies are four and one. Wow, that surprises me a little bit. The Athletics are three and three. That does not surprise me a whole lot. No. Honestly, I thought they they're probably a, a few ahead of what I expected out of them. The Diamondbacks fall to the Rangers seven to four. The Nationals knock off the Blue Jays four to nothing in a Blue Jays home game in Nationals Park. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a running Thanks, joke. Thanks, Canada. Yeah, right. Way to go. Uh, White Sox four to nothing over the Indians. The Cubs 
drop one to the Reds, twelve to seven. Nick Senzel had him a day. Uh, he had kind of he he played the first two games for the Reds and then kind of went on COVID protocol. He didn't have COVID, but had some sickness. Uh, came out last night first at bat, cranks one uh, to left, and big big night for him. Comes up the next time, double to left. So he uh, he he had him himself a night last night, and the Reds honestly. Uh, they found something, 12-7 to over the Cubs. Uh, they found a lot of walks from the Cubs pitching staff, but nonetheless, uh, they, they get it done. Reds improved to 2-4. and four. The Cubs fall to 4-2. and two. The Dodgers beat the Astros in 13. That's what we were talking about. 4-2 and two are the Dodgers now, 2-0 and oh on the road. The Astros sit at 3-3. Three and three. The Rios home run in the 13th is, is like I said, now going to be kind of talked about as the first in history kind of situation, but uh, fun to see the Dodgers take down the Astros. Kind of to stop right there. Did you see what they did to Kelly yesterday? The the suspension that was. Yeah. Eight games. And, and they had. I think when they decided it was going to be eight games, they had cited previous incidents like what had happened. What had happened was. <laughs> well, here's my thing. And I understand the the player immunity because they cooperated and all this jazz and all this stuff. But Major League Baseball has to be smarter than that. They have to know that when this came out, all the other teams don't like you now. Yeah. And so if there's a little jawing, if there's a little smack talking again, I don't know if it's content of what was said or, or what have you, but Kelly gets eight games. Eight-game suspension – in a 60-game season. Like, I still think that should have been, like, prorated, right? He like, appealed it. Maybe that'll happen during the appeal. You know what I'm saying, yeah. though? Like, no, I you're feel right. like if yeah. you're playing a 162-game yeah, schedule. give me eight games. Eight games is this percentage. Well, whatever percentage that would have been in a 60-game schedule needs to be that, which he's a pitcher. I mean, in, in reality, that's maybe two starts. Yeah, but, I mean, spread out. That could I mean I don't think that's eight playing days for him. That's just eight games for the for the Dodgers, right? I would hope see like now for me, it, to make it that way, I'd be like, Oh, Kelly was gonna start, but he's suspended next day. Oh, Kelly was gonna start, but he's suspended. Done. Yeah, yeah, and then that way it would be eight playing See, I'm not sure how it works with pitchers. I don't know either. If anybody out there knows, eight six five nine eight three four three one zero. But uh I think, you know, if it's eight play, if it's eight games for the Dodgers, then they probably only miss him a couple, yeah, a couple outings, and maybe that's where the eight games stuck with is because he's a pitcher, so it's kind of fine. I think it's eight times he suits up, and if he's in the bullpen, to me that's suiting up because he has so. the opportunity, yeah, to come in. But anyway, eight games for a, for a guy who just spoke. I mean, he threw at some guys, but he didn't hit them. No, 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 his accuracy was off. Yeah. That's what he said. Well, I mean, I, I, do you, you haven't seen his YouTube video? No. There's a YouTube video during COVID where he literally throws a baseball through his own window on accident because his accuracy was off. <laughs> and some people were like, do you think he made that YouTube video to set himself up for this? I went, no. Like that's people. People are clever and people have good ideas. But they're not that. They're as, not. He, as, he, as the camera pans over and he has a brand new window sitting there waiting to be installed after he breaks it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But uh, so Kelly gets eight games. My, the, the question that went around social media yesterday when I saw this, it like popped up the, the breaking and then it was like boom, 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 boom on everybody responding to it. And it was like, how many games did the Astros get for actually doing what Kelly was critiquing them about? Goose egg from what I understand. Zero. Zero. And everybody's like, well, their manager got fired, as he should. The the people associated with him got fired, as they should. But all the players that benefited from it, Altuve, taken, if I'm not mistaken, the AL MVP maybe that year, away from Aaron Judge. And, yeah, maybe I'm a little sour on that situation. But I think – that's a that's a benefit that nobody else had. You know, I think when 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 nobody baseball, else had those kind of trash cans, right? When baseball, you know when, how awkward that would be this year if they were still doing that if they hadn't got caught. Oh, no fans in the stands. They have that pipe in Houston. The piped in noise would be stupid. It'd be echoing. They'd be like, Rah! 
cone, 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 cone. I I think when Major League Baseball talked to the players and said, "Listen, if you tell us what was going on, you get immunity." I don't think they really fully understood what they were about to uncover. And so, and to be fair, I think they were on a they were on a ledge that they MLB could not win. No, because if you say, "Well, it's according to what the severity is," you know whether you'll be messed up or not. One, either they're not going to tell them anything, or they're not going to tell them the whole truth. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, well, that only really happened those six days I was sick and I wasn't in the clubhouse." Right. Da, 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 da. So. I really feel like that, but if they gave them immunity, they got what they wanted, they found the problem, but now their years are going to click off where they're oh, yeah. dealing with the repercussions of what happened. So, um, so anyway, I don't – going back to the game, you know, the Dodgers knock off the Astros in, in, in 13, 4-2, but Kelly getting reprimanded, I understand this is not the first time he's ran in with somebody, this is not the third time he's run his mouth, da-da-da-da-da. But I'm just like, Houston, this is par for the course. If all your guys end the season with a full grill because there's going to be some bench-clearing situations, I think it's a win. I think you move on. You take those lumps. You know what I'm saying? I, I hope, and this is just – like, like I always say, it's like a thief being called a thief. Are we wrong? Right. You know. And, and I hope they have to play every game with a bench clear. I hope that every game – has an issue like this. I mean, this. with no fans in the stands, it may be must see, must see TV. It is. I, I was when they cleared the bench, though. I'm like, ooh, how are they going to social distance this thing? Oh, and they didn't. <laughs> they the did managers not. paid for it. Yeah. So this, could you imagine what kind of season you have to look forward to if every time you play this certain team, you know, oh great, here we go, we're going to get thrown out, and the benches are going to clear. Like, it, and and the thing is, is um, it's gonna it's gonna uncover that scab. Anybody who goes to their place. Like, I think Houston on the road, like, they didn't have that advantage on the road. No. So, I think, yeah, people are going to be like, it's Houston, those cheaters. But on the road, you manage that that benefit for them because you're the home team. So, I mean, they whether it was 2017 when they were cheating or now, the advantage is the same on the road for the Astros. But I think when people go into their park, it's always going to be in the back of their mind, how have they gotten around this latest thing? What are every time somebody drops their Gatorade cup in the dugout? They're got is that a sign? Is that a, you know what I'm saying? Looking at this guy, did he shake his hat right before the cup drop? I mean, That's there's a good point too. There's this whole dynamic of you can't ever trust the Astros anymore. No, especially at their place. So anyway, I think that's I think they'll have a bench clear and some smack, smack talk in their home ballpark for a, for a while, maybe beyond this season. Every game, every game is what I hope. <laughs> Hey, but speaking of hope, uh, your Pirates uh, need a little hope. Uh, uh, they fall to the Brewers yesterday, three to nothing. They fall to two and four. Uh, did none. they have any pitching? None. Like anything to be be happy about? No, they don't. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now: the next series is against the Cubs, and I bet they lose all three. It says Woodruff dominates as Brewers silence punchless Pirates. Like that was hard to say, but seems to be fairly accurate. Yeah. It is accurate. They need some trade bait. Uh, yeah, well, maybe they're saving themselves for the end of the season. <sighs> it's only sixty games. Yeah, you think they I, know that? No, uh, well, uh, who knows? It anyway, makes me sad. I am I am giving you a really hard time. I apologize. They don't have it. They don't. They don't have it easy either. Their next series is against the Cubs, who they sit at four and two. Well, if they'll, if they'll roll out that that pitcher they rolled out last night, we'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. Then they play the Twins, who are sitting at four and one. The Twinkies. Then they go. Then they at home against the Tigers, who are four and two right now. Then they get the Cardinals again and the Reds, and who believe it or not, the Cardinals are two and three. That's that's where they finally get to play somebody who's got the same record as them. Well, somebody needs to tell the Cardinals this ain't a normal year because that's Cardinals baseball every other year. Yeah, they're kind of tough right out of the gate. They're not. They're not really something to watch. And then all of a sudden they kind of roar back, yeah. make the playoffs, and then there you go. Uh, but but talking about uh, teams that have that have kind of righted the ship last night, the Braves beat the Rays, snapping a four game win streak for the Rays as the Braves power to a seven four victory on the heels of Freddie Freeman as he homered and drove in three runs on four hits 
uh, last night. Had a great night for the Bravos. A seven to four victory. Uh, that's a huge one in the in for for the Yankees because Tampa Bay is one of those teams that's really hot right now and and really a, a favorite in the American League. So uh, to see them kind of uh, falter a little bit is always positive on that side. But the Bravos also needed it. They get back to five hundred. They're sitting at three and three. That was their home opener uh, last night in I guess it's still SunTrust Park. Whoever pays the most for the bill, Park is what I call it. That sounds right. Uh, Tigers defeat the Royals five to four. The Red Sox knock off the Mets six to five. The Yankees come back to play and defeat the Orioles nine to three. Um, I'll be honest. The Orioles seems to be the whipping post of the Yankees. Last year, I think they hit, if I'm not mistaken, they hit thirty or forty home runs just against the Orioles. You always have to have that team that you have their number. Yeah, well, I think they have their number, their address, their social security <laughs> number. I think I think it's all on the table. The Twins defeat the Cardinals three to nothing. The Giants take down the Padres seven to six. Padres were a hot team out of the gate. Uh, the Mariners knock off the Angels ten to seven. And again, the the Marlins are still in in pause mode as they were to play the Orioles. So a little flip flop had happened uh, with the schedules. And then the Yankees Phillies were supposed to be played last night, and that makeup date is to be determined but uh but you know uh baseball is moving right along and uh now we're we're six games so we're 10 percent done in baseball and we've this is the the turn of one week of action wow yeah that's yeah. gonna go fast moving right along well let's move right along take our first break of the day listen to these great sponsors when we come back the acc announces a conference only schedule notre dame becomes part for maybe one year, and then we'll talk about the SEC presidents to meet today to see what the 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 conference that it just means more in, what means more, conference or non-conference. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. On Thursday, July 30th, 2020, the Maryville Huddle will host an online candidate forum. State House candidates for Districts 20 and 8, as well as Congressional District 2 candidates, will participate. For more information, please contact the Maryville Huddle at maryvilletnhuddle at gmail.com. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maryville High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. 
Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out here on a Thursday edition. Jeff, the ACC sets an 11-game fall conference schedule, including Notre Dame. Uh, The ACC Board of Directors voted Wednesday to proceed with an 11-game season that will begin September the 12th, including an FBS independent by the name of Notre Dame to play a full league schedule. Uh, but only if public health guidance allows. Uh, I think this is probably a, a, a decent uh, decent model. I will say it, it paves the way for a lot of these ACC schools not to get embarrassed by other other conferences uh, because, honestly, I mean, and I don't know what your opinion is, but it's Clemson and everybody else. Yeah, it, for the ACC, it was obviously Clemson's at the top. And then every like third year, NC State can crank out maybe eight or nine wins. But they'll only crank out like three, two or three good opponent. Oh yeah, close games. Yeah, and then when Georgia Tech was running the triple option, every other three or four years, you might get another eight win game season out of them. But now that they're not running the triple option, they don't have nothing to. They're, they're not special anymore. You want to hear Clemson's twenty twenty model? Sure. Okay. Clemson home games, Boston College. Ooh. Yeah, that'll be a bar. Doug Flutie's not there. Uh, <laughs> the U, Miami, Pitt, Syracuse, and Virginia. That's yeah, I mean, and, and depending on what year you catch those teams, like Virginia, every so often they throw a good team out there. Miami, they've not been the same ever. So Yeah, Virginia will be tough. Syracuse, if it was at Syracuse, would be tougher. Pitt, I don't know. The, the lightning in a bottle doesn't find that place a whole, whole often. But the U, like you said, they've just never been the same. They're away games. They have to go to Dope Campbell Stadium uh, to play Florida State. Georgia Tech on the road. They have to go to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Virginia Tech in Blacksburg and Wake Forest. So it's not that they don't see their their traditional matchups, and, and that's the thing. But to me, there's no Georgia non-conference game. Mm-hmm. There's no – you know, they, they had traditionally kind of stepped out and got them a nice big non-conference game. That somewhat validated their conference. Let's just put it out there because it – I don't want to say like Clemson was probably a uh, an A rank, and if you talk about Power Five supremacy, they're A A plus. Their next closest person, in my opinion, probably probably Duke. I'll be honest with you. Notre Dame's pretty good, but they're not an ACC team. But we'll put Notre Dame at number two, and I would say at their very best, even when they were twelve and zero and got obliterated by Alabama in the national championship game several years ago. 
B. Because they're tough, but they're not good. Where's Florida? I mean, is Florida State not coming back? I mean, well, they got a brand new coach. I mean, I think their their slate's clean. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They they. Uh, I felt like they were kind of sort of climbing out of the cellar there for a little bit, and then. Well, see, you know that they, you know, I think Jimbo kind of had them kind of climbing a little bit, and then Jimbo jumped to A and M, and they went with uh, Willie Taggart. Yeah, which epic failure. Epic failure. Willie Taggart is a South Florida, Central Florida, that caliber of a really good coach. He went out to Oregon, had one year that was fair. I think he was 8-4, and four, which wasn't fair at the time because Oregon was winning 11 mm-hmm. games every year. But they picked him up, and he goes out there, doesn't mesh well, culturally has some issues, uh, and they give him two – well, a season and a half. I think it was 16 or 17 games, and they can him. Oh, geez. They go interim coach and have some level. I think they win three or four games with an interim. And then they, they've now got uh, Mike Norvell, uh, who was previously at Memphis. So, I mean, I think he has some some upside. I think he's seen winning at a, at a lower level. So, a lot of times you're more creative because yeah. you've had to do it that way. But, uh, no, I think Florida State's a clean slate. I, I don't – it would be hard-pressed for me to say that's a competitive matchup in year one. I'm I'm really interested with, with and they don't play Duke. That kind of bugs me. Yeah, like, I just think Dukies that they're that team now that just like they don't play North Carolina. They don't play Mac Brown's North Carolina team. I mean, Clemson has them a has them a one way ticket. So it looks like, and I don't even know how they're going to do the college football playoff if if all these conferences do conference only schedules. How do you how do you navigate through that? Is that what pushes an eight team playoff? I think you have to. Because at this point, with no out of conference games, if that if that holds true, because Big Twelve and SEC have yet to make their decision, I could I could see the Big Twelve doing whatever the SEC does, and the reason I say that, well, they'll have to in the in the in the wake of Tennessee, Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah, and and it's for that reason because the Big Twelve they rely on those SEC games. You know, West Virginia has one normally every year. Uh, Oklahoma always has a high-profile game with an SEC team, and I think they rely on it to kind of validate their schedule, uh, like much like the ACC does. Or, or well, let me say the ACC. Much like Clemson does, because you know, the, the other ones don't really matter. So, so this is a 10-game schedule. What they've released at this point is a 10-game schedule, and it's a model. But it is – I mean, a lot of times a model just, just – it's kind of like interim coach sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, they just remove the tag. So, uh, you know, I think this is what they want to do. I think they have an opportunity if they're going to go 11, they could have one non-conference game. But at this rate, like I said, Clemson's got a light load. Uh, you talk about Notre Dame, they've stepped into the ACC. Their matchups at home for Notre Dame would be uh, Clemson, Duke, uh, Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse. Uh, their away games would be Boston College, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, Wake Forest. In my opinion, Notre Dame has a stronger schedule than uh, Clemson because they play North Carolina and they play Clemson. <laughs> so yeah, I and I hope they lose every single one of them. I really do. I I'd be okay with that. You know, you know what though, the ACC is super smart though by pulling by offering and pulling in. Notre Dame, because yeah, they get I mean, well. Well, I, you get NBC. Did, it's like you double dip. You yeah, get AB, that's a good point. You get ACC Network and you get NBC. Because I was getting ready to ask you, I was like, do you do you think they got offered or do you think they got told? Well, see, the thing is, is is I think this is a courtship that's been happening for several years. Because basketball, mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame plays a lot of ACC opponents in basketball, and so I think it was like kind of a you're already associated here. You already play some football games with us. Let's just c- come on in. I hope well, it's permanent. They need to just oh, I think so. pick a conference and go. Yeah, I wish – and I don't know. Like, SEC people, there may be hisses and, and gripes out there by me saying this. But I want Notre Dame – like, because if you're going to have that level of, of confidence, step into a big boy conference. And I'm not saying – ACC has national champions come out of it. But that's because there's – it doesn't have a whole lot. There's a lot of meat left on the bone when you get to the end of the season in ACC. I would I would question them to go to. I mean, heck, even if if it was a Big Twelve or a Big Ten, you know. But I would I would want you know what you want to step into a conference, come to the Southeastern Conference. I don't even think they need to. I think you can save the the Southeastern Conference uh, 
the ones that are the, the, the purists put Notre Dame in the ACC and give them that SEC game every year because you know that with the playoff system, they could potentially have to play them twice. Right. I would argue, though, if you put them in the SEC, I would put good money that it'd take them five years to get above seven wins. I could see that. Because there's – I'd put a lot of people against Notre Dame. I mean, heck, Vandy went up there a few years ago and just gave them a run for their money. Yeah. I would I would argue, especially if you put them in the West, ho, oh, like game over. Yeah. I, I'd be okay to kick out Missouri and put Notre Dame in that spot. Ooh, I would like that. I'd be fun. Oh, yeah, it would. That would be really fun. Oh, yeah, it would. Have Lou Holtz videos all the time to play. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But anyway – I digress. <laughs> I hope they stick. I hope they stay in the ACC. I you really know, I, you know, and I think it helps the ACC though, for real, for real. Because Ford, Florida State, I think, will be back at some level. They it, they may not be back to Bobby Bowden the late nineties, like killing it level. It'll give them another preseason top ten team, and then after two games, they'll fall out of the top twenty five, and yeah. then of course somehow they'll bank it back into the top ten by the end of the season. But I will say it's problematic. If you if you get Notre Dame into a conference because you see all the the traditional games and I'm using air quotes that they play you know they play Southern Cal they play they play the Army they play the this they play all these you know all these matchups that are traditional per se well you get in a conference you're only probably gonna get two of those a year so how you know I think it would it would muddy the water it would make make me interested to watch them squirm for a little while so uh, I would be open to it. My vote is ACC. So, or, but yeah. yeah, you want them to stay right over there. I do. I'm cool. I'm cool. I just need a home and away about every six years. I think they'll do it with Tennessee. Uh, we That'd haven't done good. it since the early, like since the early 2000s. Hey, time to change it. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. Post Rona, everything <laughs> post Rona changes things. But, um, but the Southeastern Conference meets today. The discussion's been that the Pac-12 will go conference only. Big Ten's going conference only. Now ACC's announced a, a conference-heavy situation. Does and, and the rumor is, there's a rumor out there, they were mentioning it on another sports show yesterday afternoon, that the rumor is is that the, the, the commissioners and the athletic directors have signed off on this, but it still has to be approved by the presidents, which meets today. So... I think the Southeastern Conference is going to go to a uh, go to a, a conference only matchup. Uh, I think they're going to because we already play uh, seven conference games, so I think they'll pick up two more and have an opportunity for one non conference game in this slate. And I think that's going to stick for Tennessee, Oklahoma. I hope. Uh, and then they've they've released a, a a little a little blurb, if you will, um, right? The a little blurb about. Um, what that would look like because they've been talking about that for a few weeks as far as how would you select your other you know because everybody in the east already plays everybody in the east Mm -hmm. so you would have to pick up two additional west opponents well you just got off of probably a rotation last year with a team and then you you, you're going to go forward with some rotations so what do you do so they went ahead and and pulled like i think two years down the road rotation and uh i I took a picture of it because it's, I mean, it is totally like around your elbow to get there uh, scenario. But Bama would add Florida and Vandy, and that's a Bama that already has Georgia, Auburn. I mean, they have a bunch of – or Georgia and Tennessee already from the east, so they would add Florida and Vandy. Probably a decent balance. Uh, Auburn would add South Carolina and Missouri. Uh, their traditional east route, uh, opponent is Georgia. I'm not sure who their other one is. Uh, Arkansas would add Georgia and South Carolina. I think that's strong for Sam Pittman to have yeah. to deal with. Uh, LSU would add Kentucky and Tennessee. Kind of, kind of like that matchup in Death Valley. Uh, Mississippi State uh, would add Vandy and Georgia. Uh, this is pretty balanced. Everything I've seen so far. Ole Miss would add Tennessee and Kentucky, and then Texas A&M would add Missouri and Florida, and then of course reciprocating. Florida would add Bama and Texas A&M. Probably the toughest. Uh, draw of this bunch yeah uh, Georgia would add Arkansas Mississippi State lucky for them uh, Kentucky would add LSU and Ole Miss Missouri would add Texas A&M and Auburn that's a pretty tough draw too uh, South Carolina would add Auburn and Arkansas Tennessee would add Ole Miss and LSU uh, Ole Miss would be at home LSU would be on the road uh, and then Vandy would add Mississippi State and Bama um, 
for Tennessee purposes, I don't mind that. I, no. I feel like you you got really good storylines on both sides of the coin. Uh, you've got Tennessee on the rise by all accounts, and that's that's self proclaimed from a Tennessee fan. But also, I mean, national media thinks that Tennessee it will take a step forward. So you've got them going against their uh, a former head coach in Lane Kiffin at home. You bring Lane right back to Knoxville uh, to open his inaugural season. Nothing would be better. I think we'd be hyped to shut that down, uh, hopefully, and have some success there. And then you go to Death Valley, which in itself is a pretty pretty dynamic environment, but then you're going against the reigning national champion. You know, and that gives you something to shoot for, too, I think. Well, I think you, you're playing Bama, LSU, Florida, Georgia. Da, da, da. I mean, it's tough. a schedule. It's a yeah. schedule. It's, a, it's one. And then if you keep Oklahoma as your non-conference, uh, there you go. So I'm um I don't know how you don't get like toughest schedule with that. It'd be tough, wouldn't it? But you know, I'm about it. You know, I'm a I'm a if you want to be the man, beat the man you know, mindset. And, and then in that breath, when they if they go conference only and you look at a schedule like that and then you compare it to a Clemson schedule. Well, and the thing is 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 somebody said yesterday, it's almost forcing all the conferences to do conference only because here's what happens. Okay, ACC goes conference only, and SEC bucks their chest up and says, no, we're going to play our schedule. Well, then you lose two games because you've stepped out of conference mm-hmm. and because you've played, you know, you've you've wanted to push your team, and you lose two games. Well, you got these undefeated teams in the ACC. Yeah. yeah how, no, how, do you, how do you validate I think that? You, I think you just you go conference only, and then at that point, you have to really look at whoever's deciding who gets into the playoffs and say, hey – this is who we played. We played this team. This is who they played. They don't even know what a football is. Yeah, right. And then you say, weigh that out. Yeah, I'll be like, they they had a choice. Pick up a football or a calculator, and they picked up the calculator. Yeah. But, and no no pun intended, but uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think this, if it's me, and, and if in small circles, I say, listen, let's push conference only. Let's do this for safety purposes, up first and foremost. But ultimately, at the end of the season, when everybody's played conference only, yes, you have the eye test to say, listen, I played the defending national champion. I played the national champion the year before that in Alabama. I played Florida, who, you know, at that point is probably going to win 10 games this year, da-da-da-da-da. You know, and, and, and so you can, you can play that card, or you can say, listen, if we went to eight, an eight-team playoff, Five conference champions, three group of five or at-large bids, and go. And yeah. it will work. And it is it is what everybody wants. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody wants to get to an NCAA tournament level where it's, no. you know, it's Division no. three. you play for two months. I mean, it's – Especially not during the Rona. No. Well, the thing is you get a late start. So, I'm just saying. Yeah. Either way. Right into the cold months. Yeah, right. Well, we're going to have a vaccine by then. Sure. It's, then yeah. everybody's positive. And I was going to say, we're going to track it and microchip everybody. <laughs> it's going to work. If you haven't if you haven't watched that kind of news, then you shouldn't. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> but I think conference only is, is what the SEC will be forced to do. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the, the, the game that, that I'm, I'm hinging on, like I don't mind going conference only because here's the deal. When Tennessee plays non-conference, everybody can say, well, everybody's got the cupcakes, and we do too. We play a Charlotte. We play you know a couple teams this season that, that need the money and we need the practice, so it works out. But, I mean, Tennessee always goes out and gets a power non-conference. Yeah. They always play an, an Oklahoma, an Oregon, you know, all all of the above. I mean, you look at the, the last 20 years where Tennessee struggled barring the one North Carolina year that we bought them out and then had to play them in the bowl game. Tennessee stepped up and said, listen, we're going to play who we're going to play. And they, they've continued to do that. And it's I think in in times where it's been tough, it's somewhat galvanized these, these teams, these coaches, et cetera. So I'm – I don't think it's anything rough for Tennessee. That's the that's the beauty of being a Tennessee fan. You can't you won't jostle that schedule and make it tougher. I, I'm I think if they do it conference only, it could it, it there's two outcomes. One, it'll look really, really, really good for the SEC because my strength of schedule versus 
a Big 12, a Big 10, or an ACC will automatically look better. I'm just thinking, though, that the SEC might cannibalize each other. That's the other point. So here's the other problem. At this point, now you have these teams that might not get 10 wins because you know their two losses are going to be Alabama, Georgia, or whatever. Now they're going to see teams go like, was it going to be a 10-game season? So you're going to see them go 7-3. and three. And so now the powers that be have to make that decision. Is a 7-3 and three Alabama better than an 8-2 and two Clemson? And that's a, that's a legit argument because my strength of schedule, that's way better than theirs. The problem is, is though there's no eye test games to, to gauge it against. No. You know what I'm saying? There's no cross – there's no cross contamination to where you can go well, but Clemson beat. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Clemson beat North Carolina, who beat South Carolina, who beat Georgia, who Alabama beat. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's not that trail of correlation study that you can kind of put with some argument. It's going to be like no, they they beat their ACC teams. You know, I mean, I dare say that it would be a tough tough comparison to say okay, you get an eight and two Florida State. You know, and they lose to say Notre Dame and Clemson. This is just I'm throwing teams out there. You know, so they got eight wins, and then you take say a Florida. It could happen. They play both of those. You take like a Florida. Maybe Florida goes six and four, and they've got losses. They lose against, to uh, Georgia, probably Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, Tennessee, oh, and right. Alabama. So now, granted, they beat the pants off everyone else. Who's who would you take? Would you take that six and four Florida team, or? Or, and maybe swap one of those wins out. Say one of those wins is Alabama, and maybe one of those losses is Mississippi State. Ooh, that'd suck. And, but, but, That's a battleship so, sinker right there. I think if you lose you inside have, the state of Mississippi, you should just not be. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, you get a high-profile win with Alabama, and you get these guys that lose both of their high-profile games, who do you take? I don't know. I would I argue know. if you play ACC only, you probably don't have a high-profile game. Unless you're not Clemson. Then that's Clemson's true. your profile. Yeah. But anyway, I think it, it muddies the water, but that's what we're about is navigating through some murky water. But, hey, we're going to take our break. Listen to these fine sponsors when we come back. 37 days till it's football time in Tennessee. We'll be right back. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rule King is your source for livestock feed at the lowest prices every day. And now is excited to introduce the Country Road Advantage line of horse feed. With five formulas, including a 12% pellet feed, 12% textured, complete horse, senior horse, and 14% all life stages. The Country Road Advantage starts at $12.99 for a 50-pound bag. Learn more at RuleKing.com or at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. 
Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre. As we come back into segment number three, our Notre Dame hate and maybe <laughs> biased in a lot of different ways took us right into the break. But nonetheless, we will we will change gears, get off our soapbox, and talk about 37 days until it's football time in Tennessee. 37 is a huge number if you're a Tennessee football fan. Uh, 37, peerless price. Uh, one of those cogs in the 98 National Championship year that you just, you remember. You you remember things, whether it's the catch over his, his left shoulder in the National Championship game against Florida State, whether it's at the end of the game with him, uh, you, you know, kind of taking the helmet and throwing it in the hair and then saying, you know, chop, chop, neck slash, like that was the, the coolest thing ever. And, and at that point, it well, it still is. It's still pretty good. But, uh, you know, he's just – he was a polarizing figure with, with Tennessee just because he was that good. He was he was speed. He was accuracy. Him and T. Martin, it was like Cuff and Link. I mean, it was it was a matchup that was really, really dynamic. And, and you know, he had some good moments with, with, uh, with Peyton Manning his senior season. He was just uh, – he kind of came into his own – there in 98 I remember when he when he scored that long touchdown he just goes into the end zone and you could tell he'd ran like 60 something yards and just throws them uh it's on the the Florida State logo in their in their end zone and he just throws them hands on the hips and goes like yep that just happened and uh and it's just forever memorable because he was that he was he was T.O. without the arrogance he was he was all those great players 
but he was Tennessee. And and so anyway, he's from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, interestingly enough, Peerless Price. I mean, does that not just sound like a a great wide receiver name? It does. It does. It it, it has that ring to it. Sound like a great anything name. Like you could be if you're Peerless Price, you're cool at whatever you do. Yeah. Right. He he was born uh, in, in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, his name, you know, everybody likes why you're named what you're named, right? You might be named after your dad. You might be named after whatever. Uh, according to uh, according to Wikipedia, which can't be wrong, it's on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Price's name was inspired by the name of a local moving company. Said his mom liked the name and was hoping she had a son. Uh, because, uh, you know, she wanted to name him Peerless. So uh, the opportunity presented itself uh, in October 27, 1976, uh, as Peerless was born in Dayton, Ohio, to be named Peerless Price. Uh, Again, Peerless Lacrosse Price uh, is a a wide receiver, played nine seasons in the NFL, played college football for the Tennessee Volunteers, drafted in the NFL by the Buffalo Bills in the second round of the 99 NFL draft. He also played with the Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys uh, in his career, uh, and then he also was a you know his his career highlights were uh, again 1998 uh, national champion. He was second team All SEC, and that blows me away. I'd love to see who was number one on that list. Yeah, just no be- kidding. Just because that uh, that that career was something. You talk about 90, 1995 as a freshman. Uh, Price appeared in eight games in a backup role and showed glimpses of speed and his potential uh, early in his career. In the 96 season, uh, he recorded 32 catches for three touchdowns and 609 yards. Uh, he got his probably biggest uh, biggest accolades in a 35-29 to loss to the University of Florida early in the season, uh, but he did gain attention for his play on the field, and he was named an academic All-SEC member. Uh, in 97, as a junior, he moved on uh, from the following season. He stepped into a starting role as a junior, and Peyton Manning found him as a dependent target uh, in that 97 campaign, campaign. He started every game and was a, a legitimate deep threat from a junior season. He finished with 48 receptions, 698 yards, and six touchdowns, and l- helped lead the Vols to an SEC championship in 1998. Uh, for the second consecutive year, he was at Academic All-SEC. And then in 98, as Marcus Nash and Joey Kent and the likes thereof leave Tennessee, he steps into a leadership role. Uh, he steps into that top receiving spot for the 98 season. And, uh, and and basically, in spite of two statistical receiving leaders leaving the team, he ensured the adjustment period would be minimal. Uh, a tight game against Alabama, Price tied a school record with a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown that sparked the Vols' victory and continued their success. They finished the regular season 11-0, took on Mississippi State in the SEC Championship. Uh, Trailing by four points in the fourth quarter, he pulled in a spectacular 41-yard touchdown catch that led Tennessee to a 24-14 victory. Against the, the Florida State Seminoles in the Fiesta Bowl, a lot of that's history, a lot of that's prints that are on people's walls in their house, but he had a great game. Uh, in in his final game in Orange there in Tempe. He only caught four passes in the entire game, but he made them count. The four catches were a total of 199 yards, and uh, and again, that deciding touchdown en route to a 23-16 victory uh, brought home a national championship for Tennessee. He was named the game's co-MVP with uh, cornerback D. Wayne Goodrich, and, uh, and, and again, the rest is history. Dwight – or. I about said Dwight Price, not uh, not that sponsor, but uh, but anyway, Peerless Price uh, is now in uh, in Tennessee lore just for just for his uh, his Tennessee connections, uh, for his resiliency, and for honestly watching that progression as a freshman was a good player, didn't know really what you had there. As a sophomore, stepped up a little bit more. As a junior, you knew he was going to be special, and as a senior, he uh, he was the mailman. He delivered. There you go. <laughs> Jeff says. Sure, sure. Well, I, I, you got to remember, I was I was a kid, and I wasn't living in Tennessee at that time. So for me, I mean, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Sure. I mean, fine, fine. You do whatever. I, I love how references on Wikipedia, uh, one of them is The Price is Right. I don't know that that has <laughs> any connection to Peerless Price. But, uh, you know, other, I wonder if that was like a tagline. Probably. I don't know. Well, he was right a lot more than he was wrong. 
I can say that. But I'll tell you, uh, as we have uh, lauded over Peerless Price, we have ran out of time. Look up there. It is time to go. Hey, it was a good one to talk about. Hey, you know what? Peerless Price deserves a whole day. Peerless Price days till it's football time in Tennessee. <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow. We'll talk Jerome Bettis. You'll, you might have to call in tomorrow. Hey, there you go. Hey, that, Jeff will have something to say about that. But, hey, we'll uh, take care of this one and get on out of here. Don't miss Top of the Hour, SB Nation. You've listened to The Grind. If you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, God